The following sermon was preached at Tower View Baptist Church. We are a gospel-centered, relationship-driven church that exists to know, grow in, share, and serve Jesus Christ. We do all this for the glory of God. For more about us, please check out our website at www.towerviewkc.com. song to remember what and who we are here to worship. Pastor Craig mentioned while he was uh, opening the second song that we have no other religion like ours. We're saved from the inside out. And today we're going to be talking a little bit about uh, the everlasting God that we have and what he has brought us to do. So as we come to this time of worship, we're going to be praying that through the thick and thin, we just remember that God is good, that he really is taking us through every day that he has given us. And as we pray, as uh, I don't say this very often because it's kind of become routine, uh, you all have given so faithfully. Thank you so much. We had a business meeting a couple weeks ago, and God has abundantly uh, moved through his people to the glory of his name. So thank you for your faithful giving. If you're visiting with us outside or if you're watching online right now, uh, this is a time for our members and uh, especially those who covenanted with us to be able to come together and to, to give to the needs of Tower View Baptist Church. But our goal is to reach people. Our goal is to see people come to know Jesus Christ, and that's what we want to do. So as we do that, we do it to God's glory. So thank you for joining us. Let's pray, and uh, we will go before the Lord. And we'll be in Psalm 90 today, the summer of Psalms, the summer that is fall feel like today as we go through the Psalms. Let's pray, and uh, we'll get started today. Father, thank you so much as we come together, as we get ready to worship you through the study of your word. Father, we know that it is very easy to just slide in to worship, to slide out of worship. But Father, in these moments, would you uh, awaken our, our spiritual heightened senses, Lord, that we need? Would you illuminate our hearts, is the more biblical term, to see you working in the word? Father, these are familiar words. We're on a familiar psalm from Moses today. But Father, as the psalm says, if you are our uh, everything, Lord, then we have all that we need. And Father, even to our old age, you are with us, and you are before us, and you are going ahead of us. So thank you, Lord. Father, through the thick and thin, we will always want to trust you. But Father, thank you that in those days when we are waning in that, you are always pushing us alongside to keep going, to keep going, to keep going. As you did the people of Israel, as they circled for 40 years, uh, doing laps around the desert of the Sinai. Lord, you've been with us. You've always been with us, and you'll never leave us. Father, we know those words well, but Father, today, speak through your, your servant today to speak through your word as we come together. Lord, this is your time. We love you so much. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as we come, we are in Psalm 90 today, Psalm 90, and Psalm 90 is a very familiar psalm for us. And so last week we did Psalm 2, next week we're going to do, I think, Psalm 3 or Psalm 61. I'm still kind of debating that. But you turn to Psalm 90. I'll be reading out of the ESV version. And as you're turning there, many of you who are watching online don't know this man, but you should as, as a way. But many of the Bibles that we have in our church are given by the family who we did a funeral for yesterday, June and Jack Dewey. And uh, I'll be reading out of the ESV Bible. And we have many ESV Bibles in our church that were given by them some 12 years ago. It's been that long for June. And Jack just passed in the last couple weeks. They will be greatly and are greatly missed. Psalm 90, and I'll just read it from the top here. We're going to read all the way down, and yes, somehow, this pastor is going to somehow get through this message in 17 verses in 30 minutes. You hold on tight. 
and we'll get there, all right? Verse 1 starts in Psalm 90, says this. It says, Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the nations were brought forth or ever formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You return man to dust and say, return, O children of men. For a thousand years, verse 4, in your sight are but yesterday when it is past or a watch in the night. You sweep them away like a flood and they are like a dream. Like grass is renewed in the morning, in the morning, verse 6, it flourishes and is renewed, but in the evening it fades and withers. For we are brought to an end by your anger, and by your wrath we are dismayed. Verse 8, you have set our iniquities before you and our secret sins in light of your presence. But all of our days pass away under your wrath. We bring our years to an end like a sigh. The years of our life are 70, or even by reason of strength, 80, or by span, is but toil and trouble. Who considers the power of your anger and the wrath according to the fear of you? Verse 12, so teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Return, O Lord, how long have pity on your servants and satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love that we may rejoice all the days and be glad. Make us glad for many days as you've afflicted us and many years as we've seen evil. And verse 16, let your work be shown to your servants and your glorious power to their children. Let us favor the land of our God and may the favor of the Lord be upon our land, rather, and upon us and establish the works of our hands upon us. Yes, establish the works of our hands. This was written by Moses as he literally wandered around the desert. You, many of you know I love to run. One of the worst things I hate to do is run around a track drives me nuts because you do the same thing over and over and over and over again. They did this for 40 years. Yet this is at the end of his life. This is what he had to say. We're going to look at it today. Summer Psalm, Psalm 90 this morning. Will you pray with me? And we'll get started officially. Father, thank you so much as we read your word. This This is it, Father. This is what it's all about. We have jobs. We have children. We have wives. We have all sorts of interests. We have all things to take care of. But, Father, ultimately it comes down to what we're hearing today. How we live, how we breathe, how we, how we seek out your will through these things. That's what we're called to do. So, Father, as we come to you this morning, we pray that you are glorified. We pray you are lifted high. May people hear the gospel today. May your son be exalted. May people be encouraged. That is our prayer. We pray these things in Jesus' name. And God's people said, amen. Well, there's a story that was told about some kindergartners. And this is a bad joke, but it, uh, just run with it for a second. They had show-and-tell class. The first boy was a Jewish boy. He said, my name, my name is Benjamin, and I'm a Jewish boy. I have a star of David with me. Next little girl said, my name is Mary, and I'm a, a, a good Catholic, and I have a rosary with me. Finally, the little boy came up and said, my name is Johnny. I'm a Baptist, and I have a casserole, and I'm ready to eat it with all the potluck after the school with you all. Amen. We miss those potlucks, don't we? Life isn't always as predictable as a bad Baptist joke, but one thing is predictable, and we heard it in the psalm. As we get older, as we age, God never changes. His promises never change. And I've given God countless reasons not to love me, but none of them has been strong enough for him to change his mind about his love for me. And Hebrews 13, 8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we hold on to that, don't we? We hold on to that in these times where everything else is so unstable. Society is changing. Cultures are changing. Morals are changing. I think the restrictions of COVID change by the second. 
but God never changes. Right is forever right. Wrong is forever wrong. His truth is always His truth. It doesn't matter what the culture says. Our circumstances change, and they always will, but God never will. And so we have to ask ourselves these days, are we really trusting in this unchanging God? Are we really trusting in Him as we go forward in these days? Are we striving or abiding? Are we trying harder or are we trusting Christ more fully? Are we gritting our teeth and saying, Lord, I can hold on for COVID another five months? Are we trusting him that this could last for a while and by his grace, we're going to get through this? We need to choose wisely. So we can face anything. The big idea today is we can face anything if God is our everything. We can face anything if God is our everything. No matter what we go through, no matter what we've been through, we can trust that God really is going to take us through. Occasionally, we're going to weep over life that we'd hoped would be different. We're going to think and, and grieve our losses, but we know what we need to do. It's what Moses had to do every day. He had to get that water, throw it on his face, trust God, and embrace the life that God put before him. Don't play in the past. So today, as we face anything with God, it will become, he will become our everything. We're going to see this in four ways. Briefly today, we're going to see that breath is in God's hands as we live out for him. Our dying is in God's hands. Our punishment is in God's hands. And grace is in God's hands. Before we get there, this, this was written by Moses. You may have that in your Bible. The Psalm 90, it says the man of God or a man of God. That was added later on. But this is the only psalm we have of Moses. Uh, he sang songs in the desert. But this is the actual only psalm that was included in the book of Psalms. And so can you imagine Moses walking around the desert? What else do you do with your time? You pick up manna every day. You see the same people every day. Oh, we just passed that five years ago. You know, you mark it however you mark it. But he records it in a song, and he does it to lift up God because he needed to know that for God to be his trust, God had to be his everything. And the first way he expresses that is in verses 1 to 2, that God and breath is in God's hands. Breath is in God's hands. And why are you alive today? Have you ever thought about that? Why has God put you here? He's not done with you, right? He hasn't stuck a fork in you, and, and, and that's why you are here. And you see in verse 1 that God's care is clear during our lives. He says, Lord, you have been our dwelling place in times of generations, in generations. A dwelling place is a home, it's a place. And this prayer was written when they, were, they had been slaves, they had been wandering around. But now they're out in the desert. They're having outside, they're having drive-in church, Israel style, for 40 years outside. Can you imagine? And it's not a person, or it's not a place, they're dwelling in the wilderness it was a person. They had the dwelling place of God literally in their midst. And he said, Lord, we've been wandering. My breath is in your hands. My everything is in your hands. We've been wandering, and here it is. You are our dwelling place. You hold us fast. And throughout all the time, God, you've always held us fast. No matter what we've been through, you have always been faithful. You have always been true. Lord, we don't have houses, but we have you, and that is enough. And when Pharaoh sent them out of Egypt... They saw God's faithfulness. And friends, we too can look back and claim this testimony of our own. When, when things have been taken away from us, when God has said, you know, I'm going to peel this back, take this away from you, do this and do that, we can say with God and with Moses, Lord, you have been our dwelling place. God, I may lose my house. I may lose my health. I may lose whatever is before me. But Lord, you have not changed. You have always been my dwelling place. And isn't it interesting that he opens up with the word Lord? It's not about him. It's not about his circumstances. The very first prayer he has is Lord. Is the Lord your dwelling place today? Is he your house, so to speak? 
because God's care is clear during life. But notice verse 2, he holds our breath, but it's also that God's care is clear after our lives. Did you see this? He said, before the mountains were brought forth or ever had been formed in the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Moses looks up at the mountains and says, wow, those are cool. You've been to Colorado recently or have been there before. It still amazes me every time you go there. It's just amazing. Maybe it's because we live at like 800 feet elevation, but still, the mountains are pretty amazing. And it reminded him that Genesis 1, and he recorded this, Moses did, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. But it speaks about God. Because God is eternal. God is taking care of him now, but God is going to take care of him after life passes away. As God is eternal. God is not bound by time or seconds or nanoseconds or hours or days or lockdowns or any of that. God is forever God. And he looks at him and says, God, my care in this life during my life is in your hands. But after I take my last breath, it's also in your hands as well. And so he says, God, you are the only one who can take care of me. You have no end. You have no beginning. You have always been God. And so, Lord, we can entrust our lives to you because you are faithful. We've preached three sermons on three funerals over three weeks the last three weeks. And in every single one of those, we can look and say, Lord, these people have passed, but they're now in your presence. Christian, I want you to think about that. Your last breath could be any second. It literally could be any second. Do you trust that God's going to take care of you when you walk out of here? If you're a Christian, you should say amen, right? Because he has taken care of you. Because he is everlasting, he'll take care of the last breath. He'll take care of all your breaths. And when he says it's time to take no more breaths, you will be with him forever. Muslims can't say that. They hope that they get to heaven. They hope that they did enough good deeds. A Buddhist can't say that. They're just going to go and hope that they have enough, nirv- enough to reach nirvana. A Hindu might end up like a cow or might end up a Chick-fil-A on someone's Chick-fil-A sandwich, and that's just how it's going to be. But as Christians, we don't return to dust, and that's it. We go to live on, and he holds our breath in his hands. That's point number one. He also holds dying in his hands, and those are kind of synonymous. But look down at verse 3. The first talks about God's faithfulness, that he's eternal. Now we turn to us, how, how short life is. Look at verse 3. He says, you return, O man, to dust. Return, O children of men. I mean, ponder the shortness of life here in verses 3 and 4. I mean, we all are going to die, right? We know that. We all are going to pass away. And humanity is a mixture of God and dirt. Sin has marred, perverted, and distorted the image of God in us. But as a result, we have a date with death. Church, let me remind us that Hebrews 9.27 tells us that we are destined to die how many times? One time. And then what? We sit in the grave and just hold out for a bit? No. We face the judgment. And Moses puts this, of course, in poetic terms. And he says, God is eternal, but man, don't forget where you came from. Don't forget, you can wear a mask, not wear a mask. You can get a COVID test. You cannot get a COVID test. I'm not saying those are good or bad. Please don't take that as a political statement. My point is this. Whatever life brings you, you're going to die someday. You could be outside exercising and die. You could be eating your favorite meal and die. You could be driving and die. But the ultimate truth is what we often say at funerals is that earth to earth, ashes to ashes, and dust to dust. We all return to dust someday. Isn't that kind of humbling? These great athletes that are playing, especially in the NBA right now, whose muscles are bigger than all my body combined, those guys someday will pass away. 
Moses says to the Lord, send us back to the dust. Go back to where we came from. Why? Because verse 4, he tells you why. Look at verse 4. He says, you sweep them away, excuse me, for a thousand years, verse 4, in your sight are but as yesterday when it is past or a watch in the night. That's why life on earth is so brief. We're not God. We're not God. For proof, Moses compares us the way that God counts time. I mean, the old people live for centuries. Can you imagine being, I, I, Leon, uh, and I'm just going to say his first name, this is live on Facebook. We have a gentleman here named Leon who's the oldest, youngest guy I know. Leon and I were talking about this yesterday. Methuselah lived 969 years. Can you imagine that? Doesn't that just make you tired thinking about it? That's an unthinkable length of time. But a thousand years in the sight of God is like yesterday when it's past. The passing of the day is no more than the passing of a thousand years for God. And a watch in the night is like a four-hour period. And what he's saying is this. God holds our breath, point one, but God also holds our dying. So get that in perspective. If you want God to be your everything, you need to keep your mortality in check and in view. Not that you're so worried about dying all the time, no, but that you remind yourself that you cannot do anything in this life that will ever take God away from you first, but that your life is so short that you better get busy living for God. Don't waste your life, as John Piper would say. Don't waste your life. And then he goes on in verse 5, he shows us that we shouldn't, or that we should rather ponder the faults of life. In verses 5 and 6, Moses describes how frail life is. Notice what it says. It says, for you are swept away in this life as with a flood, and they are like a dream. You know, we sit under a tree for shade. We, we, we get in our cars. We feel safe. We rest in the comfort of our homes. But the rains fall. The waters rise. We saw that here locally, didn't we? We got like 10 inches of rain the other day. Trees are uprooted. Cars are drifted away. This is life. It's stable for one moment, and the next moment it's gone. And likewise, he says in verse 5 that it's like a dream. This life is like a dream. It's like grass that goes away, and then it's, it's, it's like a dream. It's, you ever have those dreams before where you wake up and you think, wow, that was really real. That actually happened. Well, I bet if you ask most people in our church that are older in their, in their age and say, How, what's it feel like to be such and such an age? We'll ask Leon that after church, those of you who are local. What's it like to do that? But by the time you wake up from a dream, you realize that it passed so quickly. It goes so quickly. Life is like that. It's like a dream. We're like grass. It passes away. It's here today, gone tomorrow. And this is why we trust in God and not ourselves, isn't it? So what Jesus said but in Matthew 6, but if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is today alive and tomorrow is thrown in the oven, will he not much more clothe you a little of faith? Therefore, don't worry about what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Church, we know those words. We know those well. But if God holds our breathing, God also holds our dying. Look, we don't know what the future of churches is going to be in America. We don't know. There are some churches, and I praise God for his faithfulness, like John MacArthur, who stood up last Sunday and said, you know what, we're going to meet as a church in the best safe way that we can because we're a church, and that's what churches do. Praise God for that boldness. There are some churches who are not meeting right now, and that's, I'm not, that's not a commentary against them. But friends, you are going to see people of faith really fighting to see whether their faith is worth fighting for in these days. We need boldness. We need courage. But we also need to remember that God holds our breathing and God holds our dying. And every step of the way, no matter where our church may go, it's His. And we need to trust Him all the way. Why? 
because verse 3 tells us, because especially those outside of him, verse three or ver, the point 3 says that punishment is in God's hands. This life passes away so quickly, but look at verse 7. He goes on to say, he says, for we are brought to an end by your anger. We are brought to an end by your anger. If you're a Christian today, you know that God holds your breathing, that God holds your dying, but this is the sure death of everybody. God is holy and we are not. God is just and we are not. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. So when we receive the news of someone's death, we often ask, well, how did they die? But that's not the thing in view here. We all die by the same thing, don't we? We all die by sin. For the wages of sin is death. But in this section, Moses states the reality and the response of God's judgment on guilty sinners. Those who don't recognize God as being eternal. God, those who don't recognize God as being the Savior. This is what the end is coming to be. Verses 7 and 8, notice the truth of God's judgment here. The truth of God's judgment. We get angry about the wrong things for the wrong reasons in the wrong way. But God's anger is always correct. The holiness of God can't allow sinners to continue in sin. It may seem they're getting away with it, but God has the last word. We are brought to an end by the anger of the Lord. If you're a Christian here today, you say, Darren, how does this apply to me? How does this apply to me? Because, friend, you are going to see, and you're seeing God cleansing this world right now and the world we live. You're seeing God's anger in some sense being poured out in, 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 in plagues and in COVID and all these things. I want to be careful not to label this as, as a judgment of God, but at the same time, we live in a sin-filled world. Things are different. God has literally ripped the rug out from all the things we have trusted in as a nation. Sports, entertainment, money, economy, security, freedom. And God says, look, I'm an eternal God. I hold your life, I hold your breath, I hold your dying. But for those who refuse to come to me, and maybe you're watching this, I'm going to speak to the camera for a second. Maybe you're watching this and you do not know Jesus Christ. Maybe this whole COVID thing has you freaked out flipping out, to use a modern term. I pray that turns you to Jesus Christ, the only refuge that there is. Because look at verse 7. He says that it's coming. This wrath is coming. And he says, you have set, verse 8, my iniquities before you and our secret sins in light of your presence. Look, God has the last word. God knows our sin. There's nothing we can hide from God. And Christian, aren't you grateful today? God knows your sin, but you're still forgiven from your sin. This verse makes it clear that God's wrath is just. God is rightfully angry at this world. Why? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal and everlasting life. God didn't come into the world to judge the world, but to save the world through him. Not that the judgment wasn't clear, verse 18, John 3 says, because the people love the what rather than the what? They love the darkness rather than the light. Friend, there's no such thing as secret sin. You may be able to hide your sin from people, but you can't hide from God. And if you're a Christian, this is a great reminder to you to take your sin to God. Take it to Him. Take it to Him. But notice the reply of God's judgment. He holds our dying. We're in the main point number three, subpoint B, but the reply to God's judgment. He says in verse 9, he goes on to say, For all of our days pass away under your wrath. We bring, you bring our years to an end like a sigh. The children of Israel were confronted with this in the wilderness. They were brothers and sisters were falling and dying, and they were seeing this happen all the time. Friends, people are passing away faster than ever before. 
whether it's COVID, whether it's, it's heart disease, it's, it's just all over. People are dying all the time. And it may not be cataclysmic wrath that we're seeing, but it's just simply the wrath that we bring our years to an end like a sigh. Life starts out with a bang during our youthful days, but as we wane, it kind of just dies out like a firework that goes up and kind of dissipates back to the ground. Moses lived for more than a century, and he did not die with a debilitating weakness. He died a natural death. But notice verse 10. The years of our life are 70. If you are above the and I'm inside, I can't see outside. If you're in your car, you can participate with this or online. If you're above the age of 70, would you raise your hand? There's a couple hands in here. Yes, Pastor Nelson, put your hand down back there. I see you. You're not 70, Pastor. But he tells them that the years of our life are 70, or even reason by strength 80. Yet their span is but toil and trouble. They're soon gone and fly away. This verse generalizes what most people experience, that God gives us a normal life, and there's nothing new under the sun. You struggle to work. You struggle to sleep. You struggle through this life. And Job 14.1 says, man is born of a woman, is a few days and full of trouble. Verse 11 says in, in, in chapter 90, who considers the power of your anger and your wrath? All these realities come to bear. Life is hard. People struggle through this life. And he says, this is the lot of people who reject me. We are like the rich fool of Jesus' parable who receive blessing upon blessing and take credit for what God has given, and we consume ourselves with building bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger things. But what did Jesus tell the rich man in that parable? He said in Luke 12, 31, so is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. He is a fool. So God gives us a very stark reality. But I hope you got your underlining ready. Look at verse 12. There is a silver lining here. So what's our response to be? Those are stark words. He tells you. So, Lord, teach us, verse 12, to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Look, life and death and punishment, those are serious things. So, Lord, in the midst of all the crazy, in the midst of all the crazy people, all the crazy circumstances, all the crazy things going on in this world, teach me to number my days. Lord, if I get COVID, if I don't get COVID, if I pass away naturally, if I don't pass away naturally, Lord, I want to have wisdom. I want to walk in these days in a way that pleases you. Lord, I want to walk in a way that brings glory to your name. Lord, I want our church to walk in a way that pleases you. Help us to do that. Wisdom is a matter of the heart, isn't it? Is it an attitude you just wake up one day, and the best part of waking up is Folgers in your cup. You start your coffee in the morning, and all of a sudden, you, you just have wisdom because you had a special drink. This is something God gives. It's a command. It's a prayer. It's an imperative prayer. Teach us to number our days. Teach us. It's about living every day in the light that this might be your last. It's in light of living this time to measure in light of eternity. Friends, I want to remind you of that. There's one thing we learned during this COVID lockdown time. It's that life really is precious. And the people around us are precious, aren't they? And the things that were, were once important really aren't. I've been praying this for our church this week. Lord, teach us to number our days. We have a lot of big decisions ahead about what we do, and I'm speaking mainly to our members right now. What do we do with these buildings right here? They're old. They need a lot of rehab. How do we handle that? How do we reach people in this time? You can't, we're knocking on doors still. We're doing that. We started that last week. Can't have big events. Can't have this. How do we reach people? How do we get to people? How do we get into people's homes? Some of you are watching this online. You can do that. There's a lot of things. Would you pray this for our church? Would you pray this for your family? 
Lord, teach us to number our days. And he tells us that. Church, that's something we need to be aware of. We used to measure churches by three Bs. You ready for these? Butts, buildings, and budgets. Did you get that? That's very holy. Butts, buildings, and budgets. That's a Baptist quote, by the way. But I want you to know, God doesn't necessarily measure by those things. Those aren't necessarily bad things. We need to know who's here, how many's here. We need to have a budget. We need to order the, the finances and steward them well. We need to have a building probably to meet in. That's all good and well. But God doesn't measure by that standard. He measures by how well we walk with him, how we walk in wisdom in our days. May we walk with wisdom in the things that matter most. Lastly, he holds our light. He holds our breath. He holds our dying. He holds our punishment. Find the last four verses here. Grace is in his hands. Point number four, grace is in his hands. Psalm 90 is a very realistic psalm. Moses has led us through a funeral procession through the wilderness. He tells us life is short. He tells us sin is wrong. He tells us death is sure. He tells us judgment is coming. And if you're like me, you look at this and think, I don't know what kind of manna you ate in the morning, Moses, but you woke up on a very pessimistic side of the bed right now. But it's filled with hope. And I love this, because like the Psalms, you dip down into the valley, but we're going right back up, guys. Buckle in. In this closing stanza, God is going to show us that we get sovereign grace we do not deserve. Look at the plea he has in verse 13. He says, Moses prays this. Look at your scripture. He says, return, O Lord. How long? Have pity on your servants. They've been wandering for 40 years. And Moses still is praying the same prayer. God, where are you? Of course, God had not forsaken his people. God had been their dwelling place in all generations. Moses assumes God's faithfulness here. He says, how long? How long will you be angry with us? How long will you punish us? How long will you hide your face from us? And then he pleads the next verse, and he says, Lord, return to us. Return to us. That is the prayer for churches right now, that God would return to churches, not entertainment, not we're trying to please every person, not this, but we get back to the basics. Entirely, that's our prayer. God can strip us of everything, but may he never strip us of a passion for his word, a passion to share Jesus Christ, a passion to grow in him. Churches have been literally, the show literally, if I can use this phrase, the big lady sang and the curtain came down. It was what it was in a lot of churches when COVID hit. Because we didn't know what to do without all the glamour and glitz. Churches are meeting like we are outside in cars. Churches are meeting in grassy areas. Churches are meeting as they can because they want to do one thing, and that's to glorify God. And he pleads for God's consideration. I mean, we plead for that in our churches today. Lord, don't bring us more Hollywood into church. Lord, don't bring us more junk into church. Bring us more of you. Bring us more of your presence. Bring us more of people who desire you. Can you imagine Moses praying that in the midst of all these people? These hard-headed people, Lord, I love these people, but Lord, give me more people like Joshua. Give me more people like Caleb and bring them. Talked to a pastor friend of mine, and he's a missionary overseas. I won't reveal his location for sake of security. We were literally texting this morning, and I said, he asked me, he said, how's church going over there for you guys? And I shared our situation. You know, we're meeting, we're doing the best we can. And he said, you know, it's the same thing over here. People who used to come to church, who used to do it, are no longer there. And that's not, a, that's not a knock on them. But this is our hope, is that we want more of Christ. We don't want more of consumerism. We want more of Jesus Christ. 
Lord, would you return to us? He pleads next in verses 14 and 15. He pleads for God's satisfaction. He pleads for God's satisfaction. He says, and this is a great underlining verse. He says, Lord, satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love. You want a prayer when you wake up in the morning? Verse 14 is it. Lord, satisfy me in the morning with your love. Remind me of your love. Church, I'm hitting on a lot of church issues today because of this, because it's heavy on my heart. Because we need to remember, and I'm so grateful our church does not do this, we do not live and die by how many views we get on Facebook. We want to be faithful in that. We don't live and die by the offering plate. We don't live and die by those things. We live and die by whether we have glorified Jesus Christ and brought people closer to him. There is a huge difference there. Can you imagine a church praying this? Lord, satisfy us in the morning by sending us a bigger budget. Lord, satisfy us in the morning by sending us more butts and seats. Lord, satisfy us in the morning by giving us a bigger building. Please hear me. Those are not bad things. May God bring more people to hear the word of God. Amen? May that be true. If God so fits to see a bigger building for those people to sit in, praise God. If he brings and enlarges the budget, praise God. But that's not what we're to pray for. He doesn't say bring an end to the trouble. He just simply says, satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love. No matter what you're facing, you can have assurance that if you pray this prayer, that you will be okay no matter what God brings your way. Because his love is enough for you. When you find your everything in him, you have found your all. That's what he says. And he goes on and he pleads. He says, satisfy us in the morning. Satisfy us in the morning. And he goes on to say in verse 15, make us glad for as many days as you've afflicted us and as many years as we have seen. Moses asks for equal time. Moses says, God, you've afflicted us. God, you brought the hammer down on us. We've been walking around for years. And God, I want to see some fruit out of this. Haven't you prayed that prayer during this time? Lord, I've been in my house more than I've ever been in my house, and I want to get out of my house. So, Lord, give me a day so I can do that out of my house. You've had that prayer, haven't you? We have. Lord, open the school so we can send those kids back to school. We love them. We want to hug them all day, but they got to go, Lord. You know, every honest prayer you've prayed during this COVID time, right? But what he says is this, Lord, make us glad. After all Job's suffering, God was able to make him redeem the time that he lost. Friends, you will lose a lot of things in this world. You will lose a lot of things. But if you're in Jesus Christ, God has already done the ultimate for you. He has redeemed the time. He's taken the frailty of life and given you something that you can never repay. He's given you his very self. And finally, in verses 16 and 17, he says to plead for God's efforts, to plead for God's efforts. This is all under that heading of grace that he gives us. Notice verses 16 and 17. He says, let your work be shown to your servants in glorious power to your children. In the Old Testament, there was an increasing disappearance of God, but God worked sovereignly and obviously and supernaturally. And over time, God's people, God's people thought, God, where are you? God, if you're really here, then you'd solve this. God, if you're really here, then you would end this in my life. And Moses knew this, but he was not content with God working behind the scenes. He prayed. He said, God, I know I'm confident you're working. God, I know you're doing it, but I want people to see it. You want another prayer for our church? Pray this. Pray, God, may people see the power of God in the members and the lives of the members at Tower View Baptist Church. How are we going to reach people in these days? You know where it's going to primarily start? It's going to start with the people on your block. You know those neighbors? We have them too. They may be watching this. I don't know. Those neighbors that you've wanted to share the gospel with for years and years and years and years, guess what? You have a chance to share the gospel with them more than ever. Guess what? Because you're home. Amen? More 
than ever. God, would you show us your work? God, it's not about a big billboard. It's not about these things, the glitz and glamour. It's just simply the faithfulness of your people. He said, let the Lord, the favor of the Lord, verse 17, be upon us. Our work for God will not matter unless he's in it. Have you prayed, Lord, what is it in these days that you want me to do? Lord, help me to be satisfied with you in the morning. Help me to walk with wisdom in these days. And by your grace, let your divine favor be on me so that people can see. People can know you. People can be a part of you. Friend, I've picked on churches a lot today. But I am convinced once again that God is cleansing out the church. He's cleansing the churches today so that when they look at a church, it's no longer about the name of the church, but it's about the name of the Lord inside that church. Is God our dwelling place, Tower View? Is He the place where we can come no matter what happens? That people look and say, you know, I don't know much about that church, but there's something different about those people. There's something different about that church. Why is that church not like every other church? Because God's power rests upon them. Moses prayed a very great prayer. Our life, our breath, our dying, our punishment, and God's grace are all in his hands. Will you bow your head with me as we close today? We'll ask Craig and crew to come up. Father, we pray as we close out today. Father, we, and I've often said this,